CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, and that means that it's time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, live at the Nasdaq market side in Times Square. With the Fed decision and now jobs data behind us, investors spent Friday, well, confused. The volatile session of trading left the markets higher on the day, but snapping various weekly winning streaks. Similarly, there are conflicting signals right now down to the sector level. We'll game down two of them to explain how industrials and gold are related. And the economy ultimately comes down to the consumer. So we're taking a look at a way to go big box or go home with options. With us tonight, as always, Carter Worth and Mike Cohen, a special appearance by Brian Stutland. Welcome, Brian. Before we hit some trades, let's talk about today's market action. Stocks rallying to close out this week. All three major indices climbing more than 1%. But the jump higher didn't save stocks from posting weekly losses across the board. The Dow snapping a four-week winning streak, while the S&P and Nasdaq ended a two-week winning streak. So, Carter, what what'd you make of this action today? I mean, that's the thing, just as you described those uh, items. It was something for everyone, right? Bulls can take solace and <laughs> Uh, various uh, characteristics on the week and bears, of course, the same. And I, I think what's important is we are starting to get some dispersion, which allows for opportunity for those who are doing either individual stock picking or ETF choices. Yeah. Brian, what do you think? Well, I, I think what I'm looking at, and I look at the S&P 500, the options that's traded there, and we've really seen put sellers, meaning that people are willing to just sort of take their insurance bets off sell a put on the downside, basically be willing to get along the market, let's call it 3,500 on the S&P. Now, I haven't seen that kind of amount of put selling since 2008, 2009. So what that tells me, when I typically see something like that, the market's going to move big. Either there's some really big bull bets being made in the options market and they're going to squeeze the shorts out of the market and all of a sudden the market's going to be up, you're going to look and say, oh, it's up 10%. Or not many people have enough protection onto the downside. If we get some sort of catalyst event that's bad, we mm-hmm. could see the VIX then pop, go from 25 quickly up to 40. We haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen the capitulation. And it's setting up now that people are taking their insurance off that that could happen. So you've got to be careful. I think a big move is coming over the next couple of months for this market. Yeah. And, and in terms of capitulation, we, we've said for many, many, many shows that, that we need to see sort of the generals um, come down. And we're seeing Apple here down, what, 8 percent or so on, on the past five days, Mike. And I wonder if you think that that's a sign of further weakness ahead. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things. Brian was just alluding to one of it. All of that put selling had an interesting dynamic on options prices. Uh, it depressed the prices for downside puts, certainly relative to calls. And that actually indicated also that there was a significant bid for calls. It wasn't sort of the aggregate level of implied volatility, the price of options across the board and across strikes that was declining as a result of put selling. It was just the puts that went down relative to calls, which suggested that there's a lot of sort of resident fear that people are going to miss the rally, that any minute the Fed's going to come out and say, no, it's all is well. We're going to you know, go back to zero interest rates. And the first thing you've got to do is race out and start buying Uh, risk assets again. So that propels people to sort of buy that upside. But it's also interesting that Brian spoke about the 2008-2009 period, because you should remember what happened there. Uh, We went into a bear market. We really experienced the lows, the early lows in 
uh, the last quarter of 2008. But the S&P actually hit its total lows in March of 2009, six months later. So um, I think people need to prepare themselves that you know it's not going to be as simple uh, for us to get out of this, essentially, that we're not just going to get an all clear all of a sudden. I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Um, let's get to industrials now. The XLI has had a rough year along with the broader markets, and the chart master says the technicals are not pointing to a turnaround anytime soon. Uh, Carter. So the issue here, I mean, industrials, I mean, all sectors are having a bad year, of course, but industrials have really come to life uh, very short term. In fact, since September 30, the industrial sector is up 15 percent, S&P up five. And we're thinking the spread is just too wide. Let's look at a couple comparative charts and then go from there. So what do we know? This is a 60-day comparative chart. And what you can see here is the divergence in the orange line and the blue line. Industrials um, are at this point on a 60-day trailing 12-month basis down 4.6%, S&P down 11.6%. Now, what if we pull this back and do a 90-day comparative chart? What you've got here is the same sequence, but a little bit further back. XLI on a 90-day comparative basis is up almost 8%, S&P down 2.5%. And now another way to look at this is actually, instead of two lines, one line. This is simply the ratio chart, XLI relative to SPY. And we are now higher above the 150-day moving average on that ratio chart and at any point in a decade. Now, look at the next iteration. Where is it? It's a rally to a very difficult level. This is what the rotation is, money coming out of Apple, coming out of the Twilio's, whatever it is, and going into so-called old-fashioned names. But this opportunity has already been exploited. Final chart, XLI itself. Now, while we are not, we're not quite back to that downtrend line, we're awfully close. If you have gains in this, we would either sell calls or trim, and on any further strength, we'd sell it all. All right. So, Mike, what's your trade here on industrials? Yeah, pretty interesting to think that industrials have been outperforming so significantly. When you take a look at the rate market, that's not what we're seeing, that you should be going into anything cyclical. In fact, quite the opposite. I think there's a, a consensus now that we're probably heading into an economic slowdown, very possibly a recession. So why would we be buying industrials? I mean, these things are only off about 11% from their all-time highs. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it. But of course, as we were just talking about, implied volatilities, particularly for calls, remain elevated. So I think you do want to sell some upside calls. Of course, we don't recommend selling upside calls naked. So I'm actually going to be looking to a call spread. A couple of things when you're thinking about selling premium in general, you want to keep it short. And what I mean by short is short dated because options decay more rapidly as expiration approaches. That's true for selling outright options, whether it's calls against long stock or naked puts. Um, that's also going to be true for call spreads. Also, try to look for areas of resistance. And Carter's done that for us and identified that we're coming up to a pretty critical level here. The final thing I would say is that when I'm selling call spreads, I try to look for situations where I can collect at least 30% of the distance between the strikes in premium. So in this case, I was looking out to the December 2nd weekly options. Uh, I was looking at the 95.98 call spread. In this instance, I could collect about $1.10 in premium. That's actually, well, more than 30%, closing on 40% of the distance between the strikes, about 37% or so. And that sets up pretty uh, favorably. And also here you can see we're looking out about 30 days from today, just a little bit less. So trying to keep it inside of a month 
Uh, the idea here being that if we do see some weakness, do see some declines, we'll have opportunities to take profits. Brian, what's your take here on the trade? Well, I, I'm with both Carter and, and you know Mike on this. That industrials, to me, seem a little bit overbought. When we looked at a lot of the industrial names, the only real traditional industrial name that we hold for clients is Caterpillar. That had some nice earnings and moved to the upside off of that. But otherwise, we rotated more into defense company type names, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman. Those kind of names are what I would want to own in industrials. And so playing a short bet or a bearish bet seems to make sense on the general bucket of XLI. And I would be alongside with it. Taking some call premium in with call elevated premiums right now seems like the right play. So I really like this trade both from a directional and from the optional standpoint of the call spread that Mike is selling. All right. Let's uh, pivot now to a single stock. Brian is taking a look at one staples name that could be a bulk bet. <laughs> so, Brian, what are you looking at? Yeah, Costco is uh, is one of those bulk names, right? We buy those in bulk. And consumer staples is an area that we've continued to sort of rotate and overweight into as we've entered this bear market over the last half year here or so. And so one thing I'm looking at in Costco would be selling a put, taking in some premium, and but staying very short dated because I think you know, premiums are somewhat elevated, but we're getting so much movement in the market. It's a dangerous time right now. Like I talked about, we could see pretty big moves in the market. So Costco is one name I'm looking at. The November 475 put, when I looked midday, that put was trading for about nine bucks. So break even 466 or so on the downside. So below there, you know, I have to be willing to own Costco. But this is a way sort of to allocate to consumer staples, take in some premium. Now, when you look at that, that's that's almost 2% premium return on your money in just two weeks. So that's pretty big. And I'm keeping it short dated because Carter could probably speak to the technicals. They don't look so great for the stock right now. And so I'm staying short dated. Hopefully this stock stays in here for the next couple of weeks. I take the premium in. I've made some sort of allocation to consumer staples, which I like as a sector in total. And Costco's numbers, same store sales, up 8% last month, up 10% the month before. So certainly they're passing the buck on to consumers. So at least I like that. I can feel good fundamentally about it sell this premium, take it in, and be short options somewhere. If there's one place to do it, it would be consumer staple type names. What do you think of the chart, Carter? Well, uh, Brian sort of referenced there. It's heavy. It doesn't act well. I think we have some charts here. We might be able to look at them. Uh, what we know is that this is the this is the god in, in the consumer staple space of all of the operators, whether it's Coke or Walmart, Procter, you pick General Mills. This is the one that's had the greatest growth rate, the greatest earnings growth rate, sales, everything. And yet it's always expensive, 35 times. But look at that chart. That is all the elements of a top. Another iteration would be to put in converging trend lines, at same chart. And so I think the risk here is that this is just generally re-rated lower from its very uh, sort of rich valuation. Is this one in the Holly Index, Mike? I can't remember. It is. It is. Yes, this is a Holly <laughs> Index name. And, you know, I mean, this is a, a, like uh, Brian, I agree. This is sort of a staple stock. People are really sensitive, I think, to rising uh, prices. That includes grocery prices. Costco is a way to mitigate that. I am with Carter, though. At 35 times, this thing is very pricey. But what's interesting here is the expiration that Brian has chosen. By looking out only to November expiration, he's avoiding a critical catalyst that's coming up in the first week of December or just after. I think it might be December 8th, and that's earnings. And I think if we get the break lower that Carter is looking for, that is probably going to be the catalyst that, that does it. Uh, either that or a real washout for equities. But at the very least, he is collecting a reasonable uh, amount of premium, more than 2% of the strike. 
uh, at this point for something so short dated is an attractive level. All right. And Brian, last word to you on this one. Yeah, I mean, you got to stay short dated on this. Anytime I'm selling a put, I'm just looking to take in some premium over the next couple of weeks. Then I get out of the trade. And I move on to something else. So don't you know fall in love just because I'm saying, you know, I like Costco doesn't mean I, <laughs> I need to own it all the way through January and whatnot through earnings. So keep it short dated, sell the put, take the premium, keep it, keep it simple. All right. Still to come. Should consolidation in the gold industry have you banking on bullion? Carter and Michael take a look. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out the GDX Gold Miners ETF surging higher as merger madness takes center stage. Yamana Gold soaring nearly 20% today after receiving a $5 billion joint buyout offer from Pan American Silver in Agnico. Yamana previously had a takeover agreement with Goldfields in May, but deems this new offer superior. Professor Coe asks a great rhetorical question. With all of these gold miners tripping over each other to get deals done, why aren't you buying two? That's a good question. So, Mike, tell us how to do that. Yeah, this is an interesting situation. It is not as if capital has become cheaper over the course of time uh, since we saw Goldfields making that bid for Yamana several months ago. And yet here we are with two other competitors indicating that they want to get in on the action. Nobody knows the industry better than its own participants. Let's just take a look at some of the fundamental drivers. First of all, uh, obviously, we've been seeing rising rates. With rising rates, we've gotten a rising dollar. That is usually not so good on a relative basis for commodity prices. Uh, Also, with recession looming, that is typically not so good for commodities either. The precious metals, maybe not as much, but still there is 11% or so industrial use for gold. And of course, we've seen just several years now of inflation rising costs. Miners have rising input costs, and these are not really a great recipe. However, I think we should be taking a look at some of the good things, too. First of all, As I was just talking about, those that know the industry best seem to be interested in acquiring assets. And I think that is interesting. Also, I think this cost price spread, that is what it costs the miners to actually extract and produce gold versus what they're selling it for, that spread is unlikely to narrow much further from here. First of all, some of their costs are starting to level off and possibly may even decline, including energy and labor. And of course, if rates do level off, as we were hearing in the previous half hour, and the dollar has sort of topped out here, there is a potential, of course, for gold to go up. So if costs are going down and the price of the good you sell or product you sell is going up, that's a good situation. And finally, the miners are actually in relatively decent financial condition, although not as cheap as the market necessarily at 17 times. This sector is probably trading around 21 times. That's not ludicrous when you sort of think of them in a cycle. 
So I was taking a look at the fact that options were elevated in premium, also thinking that maybe the rate picture, the dollar picture, is going to take at least until the end of the year to play out a little bit more. I was looking at a call spread risk reversal. This is a trade I like to use when I think the uh, levels are of options prices are relatively high. And I also have identified an area where I wouldn't mind getting long. And also, we might be in that bottoming formation, and we may have just missed uh, a little bit of the opportunity, and we did see that with that 10% rise. And I was looking at the 2125 um, call spread risk reversal, buying that 25 strike, selling the 21 strike put, and then selling an upside uh, call strike around 29 or so. The objective here is to spend as little as close to zero premium if you can get it, uh, get near upside participation if we do get a rally, not have GDX put to you unless you see a notable decline. In this case, it would be in the neighborhood of more than 10%. Essentially, if it gave back all of today's gains, you would get to own it essentially at the price it was trading before that happened. Hmm. Carter, you like GDX, don't you? I do. Let's look at some uh, stats and charts and things that might reveal further insight. The first thing we have on the screen, and the, the color scheme is important, GDX was up in September. Every single aggregate known was down. Every S&P sector, every index from Russell to transports to semiconductors. GDX is up in September, up in October, and now up in November. You cannot find an aggregate, not one, that is now having three months, November's early in the goings, up. Uh, it was it was showing signs before the news comes out. Let's look at two GDX charts. This is a very simple downtrend and a very simple arrow drawn. Second and final chart, another way to draw the lines, a, a reversal of sorts um, or buyers. Brian, what's your take on the trade and GDX? Well, if there's a true reversal coming, the only thing I would just say is that maybe leg into this option spread. So in other words, you know, option 101 lesson here, you don't necessarily have to put a spread on where you sell the put, buy the call, and then sell a further upside call. What I might do is just buy the call right now, wait for some movement because the market is having a ton of movement. Bitcoin up 4%, gold up huge today. So lots of movement in the metals area and anti-fiat currency. We get that movement. I would wait to maybe sell the downside put to see if there's a pullback or wait to sell that further upside call wait for the breakout to happen, then sell the call. And so just be patient with the trade. First, put the first buy call on and see what happens here from that point. All right, up next, we're taking a look back on one of Mike's tech trades. Options Action is back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at one of our past trades. A couple weeks back, Carter and Mike laid out a way to play Microsoft. We broke below that low and we've kicked back, thrown back to it. But that's where you usually fail. I was looking at the December 2nd weekly 245-250 call spread. Uh, you could sell that call spread for about $2.05, more than 40% of the distance between the strikes. Since then, the stock has dropped more than 6%, putting this trade firmly in the green. So, Mike, what do you do now? Yep, the risk-reward relationship on this one has changed pretty remarkably. So you want to take profits on this. And I think if we get any kind of an uptick in the stock uh, at this point, I think you can be comfortable putting on another trade like that if you get a chance. Carter, what do you think of the chart here? You know, it, it, man, talk about a wipeout. I mean, this is the real message is this is the risk for things like Apple that haven't done this. But Microsoft, wow. I mean, just wouldn't do it. Okay. Uh, it's time to take some tweets here. Our first fan asks, with the recent trend in XOM, what do you think about entering a November 25 
110-105 put credit spread. Uh, Brian, what do you tell this person? Well, our producers gave us a little heads up about this tweet, so I looked up the prices on it. And basically, you're risking about 350 just to make about $1.50. So I don't love the risk reward on that particular spread. Having said that, I do like ExxonMobil. We own that for clients. I think it's an area that has strength even through the next decade. We brought up Microsoft. You look at Microsoft, ExxonMobil. Those two actually switch off every decade going back to the 90s on who's in favor. Right now, I think the 2020s, it's ExxonMobil. So I like a bullish trade in ExxonMobil. Maybe not that particular spread. Look for something a little different. Mike, you like Exxon as well? Not really. Uh, not for a decade, certainly. I don't. Uh, this is not a uh, multi-decade trade, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, th- uh, this is sort of steep and uncorrected. That's Carter's language, not mine. But we were pairing some of our energy exposure today. Steep and uncorrected. Is that a good thing? I mean, it, couldn't that be a good thing, Carter? I mean, aren't there godlike charts in the market well, that are steep right. and uncorrected? It's, it's a good thing, but there's such a thing as too much of a good thing, as we know, you know, like 25 cookies or 25 drinks. <laughs> you want to sometimes stop. So let's look at two charts, the XLE. Um, the issue here is we're right back to a former high. And even if you're bullish, before exceeding a former high, typically you'll contend with it. But what we know also, and you can see here how well-defined these lines are, I think we back away here a bit and um, either back away a lot or, or a bit. But the third and only other choice, straight up, out, up and out, I don't think that's a reality. Um, I would also point out this, that if you look on a trailing six-month basis, you can look at the actual S&P 500 energy sector and then the equal weight sector, which is then eliminating the big effect of Exxon and Chevron and Conoco. The actual sector has doubled the performance of the equal weight, which is to say, yes, it's things like Exxon and Chevron that have done so well, but they seem a little stretched. 25 cookies or 25 drinks. That really puts it in perspective. Up next, the final call. Time for the final call. Carter. Buy GDX and GLD, sell SPY. Brian. Sell a put in Costco, but stay near dated. Mike Co. Happy birthday by GDX. Thank you. That does for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5.30 for more Options Action. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.